our identity in Christ. We're going to read Galatians 2.20. Ed, you want to put that up if you would? Galatians 2.20, our identity in Christ. Can we explain to you how important that is that we know our identity in Jesus Christ? We've talked about it a little bit in some of the prayers that I've uh, uh, asked that maybe we can put before the Lord. Keep in mind the different things that we have mentioned here, we believe, for their 2019 as far as the church is concerned. These things that I talk about are obviously, thank you, Michelle, are very important, and uh, they're sort of in the line of what I feel like are so important. In fact, I, I couldn't say one is more important than the other. But knowing who you are in Christ and knowing Christ in you is foundational for you to walk in victory in the Christian life. We have to understand and know in our heart of hearts our identity in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Nancy. Most important. Next week, we'll probably, unless the Lord changes it, we'll talk about our destiny in Jesus, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then obviously you are in Christ and he is in you. And the Apostle Paul is writing here something so important that I believe, actually here, if you remember a couple weeks ago, that Tom read this scripture uh, during our open worship time. It reads, I have been crucified. You can read along with me if you want to. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. I want to mention a couple things, first of all, is, is when you certainly ask people who they are, and all, a lot of times they will define themselves in terms of their name or their job or their possessions or the people that they know. You say, who are you? And they'll start talking about their jobs or the, what they do. If people ask me about myself, I'll go, well, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister. So we define ourselves in that particular way many times here. But obviously, we think about it in the true terms biblically. If, if someone would ask you who you are, and nowhere in your conversation does the name of Jesus come up, or the kingdom of God, or the things of God come up, then somehow... I would think, or possibly, that you do not fully understand your identity in Christ because we are in him and he's in us. We identify as we are uh, identified in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And so think about that for a moment here. Your identity in Christ is certainly is tied completely to Jesus Christ. And there's no way to talk about you and not talk about him. You remember several weeks I talked about, ago, I talked about the fact that one way to stray away from the Lord is to have, uh, is not no longer talk about Jesus. You know, you used to get around the table nowadays, and our society, our culture has changed, so we don't have meals together like we used to. We would all gather at the table, and there'd be discussions about life and so forth. Well, now we sort of like hit the road running, don't we? And so uh, 
We don't talk about Jesus as much. We don't get around him. But, you know, our life, if we are in him and he's in us, and our identity is in Jesus Christ, then we should obviously talk about him, think about him, mull about him. Being a follower of Christ is obviously the essence of who we are. And that's why it's so important to be discipled here. It's called spiritual growth. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. And he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things. And lo, I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. And so being, it's, it's about growth. It's about knowing your identity. And I want to talk about that today. And then I want to talk about what I believe in the fullness of what we will see happen before this is all over with is exactly what will happen in our identity with Jesus Christ. You know, when a person is brought into the military, what happens? They go into boot camp a lot of times, right? And they start uh, be, being just in, indoctrinated about thinking about and being transformed in their mind and their thinking in the way that they live and eat and breathe. And they begin to do this. And believe, believe you me, I ask all of you guys in here and ladies, whoever in the military, is that you have a change of mindset. You know, you begin to just, I mean, it's all you begin to, to uh, think differently. You begin to act differently here. The seven core army values are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. So on the battlefield, these values actually are your identity as a soldier. Knowing who you are and why you're there will drive specific decisions and actions in the way you behave. It does that. In Psalm in Proverbs 27, 3, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have to know our identity in Christ to be victorious in this walk with Jesus. We think about it. This is the way we view ourselves. It's a powerful factor in the way that we behave. So in what you know, way you, what you know, and, and who you believe you are will dictate, in most cases, how you behave, knowing who you are. And so the army is smart enough to know that embracing the new identity as soldiers is absolutely essential for their success. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The moment that you and I were born again, actually, you received a new identity. You became a part of the new creation in Christ. That is the reality based on what happened at the cross. But the challenge that we face is to see ourselves in that light. As I said earlier, is the way you view yourself powerfully affects the way that you behave. Thinking about it here. When a Christian tries to become something in God by good behavior... He's working backwards. God makes us something in Christ. He reveals to us by his word what our new identity is. And then he says, act accordingly. The first three chapters in Ephesians talks about the fact of who we are in Christ. And the last three chapters in Ephesians tell you who you are and how to live 
according to who you already are. The last three chapters tells you how to live by your new, new identity. It's very important in knowing this too also here, one of the most important things I could ever talk about. He makes us a new creature in Christ. He's loved us with an everlasting love. We studied about it in Jeremiah chapter 31 here. In Galatians 2.20 when Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Think about it here. You're saying, well, if I'm crucified, then I'm dead. And it says, yet I am alive. What is it? The old Paul was crucified and the old Paul was dead in that sense because it died. He died on the cross with Jesus over 2,000 years ago in Romans 6, 6. And that is when God's judgment was administered to the old creature here. Think about this. God's way of dealing with the old rebellious unregenerated Jim was to crucify him. The old Jim was bound and determined to have his own way. The old Jim was prideful and rebellious and unbelieving and unyielding to God. That creature operated out of the nature that he inherited from Adam. And the way God dealt with Jim was to simply crucify him with Christ. But there's a new Jim who lives. A new Jim who is born of an incorruptible seed of God. A new Jim who is righteous in the sight of God because he is in Christ, the resurrected Son of God here. And so now Paul says, the life that I live out of a whole new relationship, Christ is now in me through the indwelling Holy Spirit. His incorruptible life works in me by the power of God. Now it is God in Philippians chapter 2 who works in me both to will and to do his good pleasure. It is God's life in me that motivates me and activates my behavior. I'm not no longer the old Jim. The old Jim is dead. The new Jim is a new creation of God. He is joined to Christ and now enjoys the Christ's favor with God. The life that I now live in the flesh, in this physical body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved Jim and who gave himself for Jim. So, if you've been born again, that is your status. You're standing before God. But here's the problem when you think about it, because I always like to say, how do you put these wheels in motion? This is theology that I'm talking about here. It's truth. But how does that work in our everyday life? In other words, how do we bring that reality into our lives in a practical way here? It says, therefore, in John chapter 8, the, if the Son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. And so how does this reality become manifest in our daily lives. Listen to this, because Jerry hit on it this morning in Sunday school. It's by faith. See, it says by faith. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me, who loved me, and who gave himself for me. By faith in Hebrews eleven six, as spoken of in Sunday school today, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Everything that moves the heart of God in our lives and so forth is believing God in what He has said and that He will fulfill every promise through His Word, you and I, about all eternity. Everything is coming to pass exactly the way God spoke it in His Word. Amen? We see these things happening. You know, I'm listening to some prophetic teachers, pretty interesting, sometimes seeing what's happening here in the United States and, and, and what I perceive and maybe others, kind of the parallelism, even what's happening today in our government and the things that are coming out and so forth, exactly according to the Word of God. All of it's coming to pass. It will all be fulfilled. Every jot and every tittle, every I will be dotted, and every T will be crossed according exactly to the Word of God. So we live by faith. I have faith in here. I have a worldview of, obviously, a biblical worldview that it will come to pass exactly the way that God has spoken it. By faith is what it is, because without faith, remember this, it's impossible to please God. Everything that moves the heart of God has to happen by faith. So by believing what God has done or has told us he did at the cross on our behalf, and by relying upon what he has done, believing, all of you here, you're saved, you're born again, then somewhere not along the road, young, old, or in between, is you believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that Jesus Christ went to Calvary and he hung on a cross and he died for your sins. And he was placed on the third day there. He stayed in the grave for three days. And, and on the third day, he arose. You believe that he's alive today and he lives forevermore. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that he ever lives to make intercession for you and I. He's praying for you and I right now, standing in the gap, praying for us right now. You've got Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about it in Romans 8 in just a minute. The culmination of this stuff, of what's happening when we look at the fullness of the Word of God. <clears throat> Think about it. When you no longer talk about, you know, Jesus and all, then something's not right. You don't know your identity in Jesus. Cindy and I went to Pizza Hut on Friday night. And um, in, the, in the Pizza Hut, it was nice. One of the Pizza Huts, you can sit down there and eat the pizza. I know we like pizza, and I'm sure you do too. And obviously, by looking at me, you can tell I like pizza, okay? But don't comment on that at the door when I shake your hand today. But there was Christian music coming out. It wasn't loud. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't too loud. And all it's contemporary Christian music that... I assumed the manager was playing. And so I listened and watched the manager's action in there, how he uh, related to his employees and all. And he was, you could tell, very compassionate and, and all. But these workers were working hard putting those pizzas out. So he came over to a table by Cindy and I, for, and I said, well, this is my opportunity to talk to him. And I said, can I speak with you a minute? And he said, sure. And I said, first of all, the pizza is very good. He said, thank you. And I said, the second question I have is, do you ever get any uh, flack or, or pushback about this music that you're playing, this Christian music that you're playing? And he said, you know, he said, uh, and he was trying to put it nicely, but he was very emphatic about it. He said, you know, people make a choice of whether or not they want to come in here. I want their business, but they make a choice. But he says, this is who I am. I'm a Christian, and he was very emphatic about that. I'm a Christian, 
And if they don't like it, he said, basically, he said, maybe they would like to go somewhere else. But this is who I am. I said, thank you. Now, my perception of that man there, the manager, was he knew who he was in Christ. He knew his identity. And you see, I believe God is not calling and calling us forth, obviously, to be obstinate and somehow uh, inappropriate in our relationships. But I believe that he wants you and I to know who we are and know our identity is wrapped up all in Jesus Christ. And I believe that God wants us to talk about Jesus Christ in the highways and byways of life and the pizza huts and wherever else you frequent. I believe this shows us that we know who we are. Amen? Amen. This is who we are. That man let me know who who he was very, very adamantly. And he knew I was for him and, and so forth. I was not. And I said, thank you for that. And so our identity, we need to know this. And it's very important in how the Bible, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The old Jim no longer lives. Now, the old Jim continues, and again, to rear his ugly head at times, but I come back again, and we'll share with you a little solution and how you can deal with the old Jim or, you know, when you look, because that old Jim never goes away until we get to get to heaven, but we've been crucified, and so I'm alive in Christ, but it takes faith to be able to walk in this day by day. In other words, believing what God has said about me, that I'm a child of God, that I've been saved, that I do not have to sin. Obviously, he said, when you do sin, you have an advocate to come and confess that. But he doesn't say, you just got to sin, you just do the best you can through this life. And I come back and say, no, I'm dead. The old Jim is dead, and I'm alive in Christ. And I need to respond appropriately and behave. Because you see, again, you'll act out in your behavior and what you believe. That's why studying the Word of God is important. That's why coming, we're talking about all the mass Bible study we've got here in this little tiny church called Lighthouse Fellowship and the number of people that are plugged in teaching people the Word of God. I want to tell you, People are growing in Christ. That's why we've got to be discipled. This is why we've got to grow up and stop drinking the milk. We've got to start eating the meat. We've got to grow up in Christ today. There is a war going on, and Satan's trying to take you and me out, folks. He's trying to take this country out. I want to tell you, if you don't want to be discouraged, obviously, uh, don't watch TV. Because... <laughs> The women's, the pro-life march was awesome. And the things were said, talking about life. I heard this young lady. I saw young ladies on there. I was so excited about this. I saw young ladies on there talking about that they believe that life took place at, at the time of conception. And they believe that no matter whether or not that little baby was that big or whether or not the baby was a full-grown baby and, and all, that that was life. And life is precious in the sight of God. And then the other side I heard where they were, they were using profanities right in the camera and using fingers and, and all types of things. And, and so forth, and um, a generation that hates God and the things of the Lord. But yet there's a generation of young people being raised up that love Jesus Christ, amen, hallelujah, that I believe God is going to use in a mighty way 
to turn this nation around and turn it back to God. I saw that and I went, oh my gosh. Beep, 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 beep. More beeping on that than the conversation that they were having and more beeps and so forth. You know, we need to know who we are and stand up. And these ladies, those young ladies, they a lot of them probably were in their teens and some of them were in their, I could tell, 20s, maybe 30s and all. They stood up and they knew who they were and they know they're in Christ. I don't know whether you all saw this or not. I'm going to share this and we'll move on because we're going to run out of time here. The guy that kicked the field goal, because you football guys, for Chicago Bears, remember that last field, field goal? <laughs> he kicked one through there, and they went, oh, no, we've called timeout. So he had to do it again, remember, Gov? And um, the guy kicked it, and it hit the uprights and bounced. I'm going, it's got to bounce over, because I was, I was kind of pulling for them, you know, and, and it, it bounced back this way. Nope, the other team won. They had him on TV, and they uh, inter were interviewing him on uh, NBC, national news, cable national news, and they were interviewing him, and he said, uh, they go, how, don't you feel like you've been, you know, um, that it was just such a disappointment? And he goes, yes, it was a disappointment. Yes, it was a disappointment and all. Well, how do you stand under tremendous disappointment like that? And he said this. He said, because I believe in a higher power. His name is Jesus Christ, and I rely upon him for strength. I don't know whether you all saw that interview or not, because he turned it around to God and said, I rely upon Jesus Christ. You see, this is what I'm talking about today. He knows who he is in Christ and who Christ is in him. He knows his identity is wrapped up in Jesus. I know a young lady, she's from Nicaragua, and she goes to the University of Houston, and, and we know Isabel goes there too, and they've had some challenges with crime there. And they had Fox 26 that were on there interviewing, and I know her, and, and they happened to stop her uh, going to class one day. And uh, I looked, and I went, I know her. And uh, uh, she's, uh, just a, uh, she, she's a young lady who loves Jesus. And uh, she's going to the University of Houston, and they said, "Are you concerned about the crime here that we that we see on college campuses?" And she, but they happen to be at University of Houston, and she said, "Well, sure." She said, "And I pray for this campus." But she said this. She said, "I have faith. I have faith that God will watch over me and protect me." You see, she told the world, "Do you see what I'm saying? There's something happening." There are people that are standing up because why? They know their identity is wrapped up in all in Jesus Christ and Him alone. So let's talk about Him. Let's just celebrate Him. Let's praise Him because He's worthy of all of our praise. I'm crucified with Christ, yet I no longer live. You know, I'm alive in Jesus Christ. So how does this become manifest? Again, by faith and faith alone. It's very important that we know that. On the second page here, and this is important. What are three benefits of embracing our identity in Jesus Christ? Thinking about it. It's very, very important we know this here. Well, it fortifies us against temptation. If you know who you are and you believe the Word of God, then it will, obviously, it uh, affects your behavior. If you don't know who you are, you just say, well, I've got to wallow in the filth. 
try to get through this the best I can, then you probably will wind up doing that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How I perceive myself, first of all, is I am no longer, there's a song out, Bethel Music, I am no longer a slave to fear. What's, what's the other words, Kendra? But I am, a I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. I am no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. You've got to know your identity is wrapped up in Jesus, and it will protect you against, obviously, yielding to temptation. And here, I say to the old man, no, I'm dead to that, and I no longer live in that. In other words, when temptation comes, then say it out loud. No, I've been crucified with Christ, and the old Jim no longer lives but it's Christ who lives within me. In other words, speak it out when that temptation comes. No to the old man and say yes to Jesus Christ here. Say it out yet loud. You and I know we live in the kingdom of his dear son and we're no longer of this world or love the things of this world. The things of the world lose their appeal as we walk on our journey with Jesus Christ and we live, now live for eternal purposes. We live for Jesus. There's a different viewpoint, isn't it? I live anticipating, eagerly anticipating, like the Word of God says, the soon return of Jesus Christ. I look for Him. We're looking for Him. If something happens and it's encouragement when we face uh, life that way. The second thing here, if you look on the, on the back there, three benefits, it opens us up to the flow of God's grace in our lives. All right. Grace is unmerited favor. In other words, you cannot earn grace. God loved you and I. It wasn't anything that I could do or you could do to, to get him to love us more. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us beyond anything we could ever imagine there. And so he initiated this relationship when he drew and he wooed you and I. He drew us in Jeremiah 31 with his loving kindness, okay? It was all grace. It wasn't anything in Jim Barcliff. It wasn't anything in you. It wasn't any in any sinner today. It was grace, grace, unmerited. I cannot earn it. I can't do anything. The biggest lie I was telling Ed this morning and we were talking, the biggest lie has, Satan has ever told was in some way or another that we can be good enough on our own to get to heaven, that we don't need God. That's a lie. How many people in hospice that I saw over the years that said, Jim, he's a good man. I've said this many times, of course. He's a, my dad was a good man. My mom was a good one. I said, did they know Jesus? Had they, they made a profession? Had they trusted Christ? Are they tr No, he's not. He didn't want to have anything to do with church. He never, he said, y'all can make decisions as far as what faith you follow and so forth. I think that's wrong anyway. I think we mold our children in the faith that they would have and knowing that, that this is the only true way to heaven. But a lot of parents raise their children believing you have to make the choices for yourself and so forth. When they get up and they get beyond your control, you still pray for them. You still have influence on them. You don't, you still continue to stand with them. But I heard so many times, no. He was a good man. He'd give you the shirt off his back. He did this, and look at what he gave. He gave money to I don't know how many charities and so forth. I said, did he know Jesus? Has he ever accepted Jesus in his life? No, no, never did do that. You see that amazing grace that drew you and I. 
the same grace that's being offered to all people. But you see that, that beginning and the initial stage when God reaches out to touch you and I, that same grace sustains us. The same grace that drew you and me and saved you and me is the same grace we need every day to accomplish whatever is set before us. The same grace. And so it opens here in knowing who you are in Christ and who he is in you, it opens up the flow of God's grace in our lives. You know, I think about it. The problem Christians have is seen in Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I know I should do. There's a struggle there. And many theologians say, well, that's not a Christian there and all that. I believe it's a Christian. I believe that we vacillate. And if you want to read Romans 6 and 7 and 8 when you leave here today, afterwards read it because I believe you go back. I try to do these things and I try to do that. And then finally, I finally give up and I say, God, I need your help. I talked to somebody yesterday and they said, you know, I was struggling with this particular uh, thing in my life and all, and I continue to struggle with it. And, you know, I just finally said, Lord, I give up and I turn to you. Would you help me with that? Would you answer that prayer? And, And they said, Jim, you know what happened is finally that prayer, the answer came and it almost came right away. It's almost like God brings us to the end of ourselves so that we would recognize whose power we really need. How many of you like that? I'm not, I'm not there yet. I do that, and I stumble and fall. And then I will lean back on God, because you see, this whole thing is about being dependent upon our God. And God is saying, you can do it, and I'll let you flounder. But if you'll turn to me and ask me, I'll answer, and I will deliver. You know, I'm learning to lean on him rather than upon my own understanding. And I'm experiencing some victories in that. But also the last thing, it stabilizes my soul and stabilizes my walk with God. Understanding that God does not change based upon the way I feel. I know that my relationship with God does not change based upon my day's performance. I have really some up spiritual days and sometimes I have some really terrible spiritual days. But when I come back and say, no, I know my identity in Christ and I am a child of God, it comes back and and just solidifies, it just cements in the truth of God's word. Now, Romans chapter 8, if you'd pull that up, Ed, Romans chapter 8, verses 14, and we'll we'll end with this. I want you to see this because this is so powerful. Romans chapter 8. We may go back a little bit further than 14. Okay, look at verse 22. I love this. Y'all ever looked at this scripture? Look at what it says, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. And who hopes for what he already has? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit, listen to this, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we'll stop there. All right? And then going on, and it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us, praying for us. Now, the way I see this, and I always thought this, I went, there's a whole lot of groaning going on, isn't it? <laughs> You know what it is? All of creation is groaning for the fulfillment of what God has planned from eternity past. For the adoption, and earlier in this passage, it says that we were adopted, uh, although that there was failings and we failed, God initiated this adoption. He adopted you and me into his family. And so the fullness of this revelation of our identity in Christ will come to pass when all of these culminate, these things culminate at the end of the age. And you want to talk about knowing who we are in Christ and who He is in us and our identity in Christ? All of this is coming and will come to pass in that sense of what creation is groaning for and anticipation for what God has planned for his sons and his daughters, obviously, as adopted children in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Because before we got to that passage, it says that we are heirs of God and that we are co-heirs of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? We are heirs of God and we're co-heirs of Jesus. Let me tell you there, there's nothing better than that, being heirs of God and being co-heirs with Christ. We, you know what an heir is. You've come into a great inheritance, and that inheritance is from our God Almighty. And all of this is groaning. Everything is groaning. Everybody interceding. The, 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 the Trinity is interceding for us, praying for this culmination to come to pass there as the end of the age culminates. You're talking about going to have something. I'm telling you, there's going to be something so good and so great that here in our P minds now, it has to come by revelation, okay? But God is saying, get ready. Be prepared. Grow up in Christ. Know who you are in Christ now. Your identity in Christ is so important. You know, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Amen? The old hymn. <laughs> stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Know who you are. And, and don't be ashamed. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power unto salvation for all who will believe. The power that God is saying. All of these things are, are beginning to churn now. That it's always happened from eternity past right on up. All of creation. You talk about, I'm going, creation? I mean, and the Spirit is groaning? I'll end with this. You ever uh, wondered sometimes and you sit down and you just don't know what to pray for? You're like, I'm just not real sure. The Bible, be assured of this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God 
is interceding for us with moans and groans too deep for words, okay? We have an advocate. We have Jesus. We have an advocate, the Father, obviously. But we have the Trinity praying for us. We rest upon that because sometimes it's like, I just can't get it out. I just can't. It's just churning down deep and all that. That's the Spirit groaning within you, interceding for you and me, wanting us to come to the culmination as identified in Christ, our identity, and who we are in Christ. That's exciting to me. (laughs) This is why it's so important. Because if not, then every time a temptation comes, you'll take it. You'll take the... And you'll grab a hold of it. And you'll run with it. And God is saying, no. If you know who you are in Christ, you're not going to do the things you used to do. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And Lord, I know... Your spirit, he, he's our wonderful teacher. <laughs> and I thank you, Lord, for teaching us, growing us up. And, and Lord, I thank you today. You've just chosen us. We speak the word. You can speak. And uh, we share, but we want to know deeper what this actually means in our relationship with Jesus, our identity in Christ. We ask you today, reveal that to the hearts of the people in this church. In my heart, oh God, I need you. I need you as my teacher, my my advocate. And I know, Lord, when I find it so difficult to pray and maybe the words don't come and all. And the Bible says the the Holy Spirit is interceding. Jesus is interceding. We're praying for us right now. No matter what you're going through, you've got God himself praying for you. Almighty God, we thank you. And if there's any need in this place today, I ask you, Father, that you would touch and mend and bind up the brokenhearted. And those that um, maybe in one way or another just saying, oh, Lord, I've blown it. And, and maybe I, I just don't want to blow it anymore. I ask you today, Lord, touch our hearts and just help us to realize that Jesus is the answer. To run to Jesus, that you love us, and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.